everybody and welcome along to this week's edition of the Irish Golfer Podcast, brought to you in association with KPMG, supporting golf at every level from their association with the Irish Kids Golf Tour, up to tour stars Leona Maguire and Paul Dunn, and proud sponsors of the 20 by 20 campaign, helping to increase the visibility and participation of women's sport across Ireland. I'm your host, Peter Finnan. We had a great reaction to our podcast with Paul Dunn last week, so Thanks a million for all the messages and keep them coming over the next few weeks across all of our social channels. Give us any ideas of who you want on the podcast or um, just topics of conversation. So if you're a first time listener, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well. Uh, It's available on all your favorite podcast hosting platforms. So our guest this week is one of the most successful amateurs in the history of the ILGU. She's claimed multiple championships over a decade She turned pro in 2018 and after two tough years as a professional, she took the brave decision last November to step away from competitive golf. So why did her amateur glory not translate into the success she desired in the paid ranks? Well, this week we caught up with Cavan native Lisa McGuire to find out why. Hi Lisa, how are you? Well Peter, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, Getting used to this lockdown situation now. That's it, yeah, a bit of a change of pace for everyone, but sure, has to be done for the time being. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I suppose we the last six months you've been away from playing golf professionally. How has that been for you? I mean, yeah, it's been a transition, definitely. Uh, it's slightly different from spending the gust of nearly 15 years playing inside the ropes to transition into outside the ropes. But, I mean, golf is still a huge passion of mine, so I wasn't ready to leave the sport totally. Uh, when I did finish up playing, so it's been it's been a really good transition. It's been a really cool experience. Um, just everything that's going on at the minute has probably stopped that a little bit in its tracks. But um, no, looking forward to everything going back to normal soon, hopefully, and getting back on the road and back out on tour. Yeah, and looking back, I suppose ever since we everyone, I suppose, is listening has known you. It's always been the Maguire twins. You and Leona now are on you're on very different paths, individual paths, and is that liberating for you in a way I mean yeah we've we've done everything together going up whether that was coming up to the amateur ranks going off to college and then uh, turning pro together but yeah I mean it was only a matter of time before kind of our paths kind of diverged um, obviously we knew that we were never going to be doing the same thing for the rest of our lives so um, yeah no it's nice it's nice that I can still work with Leona she's kind of playing through the pro ranks and starting to her career on the LPGA tour this year but at the same time kind of doing my own thing working on my own projects and uh, having that sense of independence I suppose too is nice yeah and looking back on your own amateur career then as well like uh, during your amateur days like you won a serious list of events you're probably you're one of the most decorated amateurs in ILGU history for you personally looking back at your amateur career now what was the sweetest win that you had or the, the best experience you had yeah, like you say, when you look back on it, you probably didn't realise at the time. We kind of just went from event to event um, and probably didn't have an awful amount of time to kind of soak it all in. But uh, I'd probably say, probably a toss in 2009, I suppose, I, I won the Irish Coast for the first time down in Fota. And then a couple of weeks, I mean, I mean, even that, that day, the final was played in the morning and we went out that evening to play a practice round in Douglas because we knew the Irish Stoke was coming up in, in a couple of weeks and yeah. I won in Douglas then the Irish Stoke so I did kind of the Irish double that year which was kind of nice um, 
And then I suppose probably the highlight though for me was probably winning the European Individual Championship in in the Netherlands in 2011. And I suppose that was kind of that was the event I always wanted to win. I remember it was kind of for me it was the ultimate test. It was four rounds of stroke play, um, good golf course, strong field. It was just it was kind of the one that I had kind of targeted for a long time. And was that the moment in your career? I suppose 2009 when you look back that you you played your best golf. Yeah, it's it. It's it probably that year, 2011, that year I won the Spanish in February, the Spanish Am in February, won the European Am in, in the summer time, played Junior Solheim. Yeah, I'd say that was probably that was probably up there. I did well in Killeen when the Irish Open was in Killeen that, that year. I remember playing in, yeah. it was the third, fourth, the last group, maybe with Katrina Matthew. Yeah, that was, that was probably it, I'd say. And... One of the highlights, I suppose, of any female amateur is Curtis Cup qualification as well. And that came for you fairly early in your career, 15 years of age in 2010. How special was that week? Yeah, it was very nice. I remember actually uh, we were after, again, this is one of the instances where we were kind of running from here, there and everywhere. We were after playing in the Helen Home over in Scotland in Troon uh, that weekend. And we'd flown, I think, Dad had actually taken the boat from from Larn, from Troon back to Larne. It was driving down, and we'd flown from Prestwick back into Dublin that Sunday night. I think Mum had picked us up in the airport. We stayed at our uncle's house, and we played the school championship in Milltown that day. Yeah. Um, and then I remember we got the phone call then when we came in off the golf course from Mary McKenna uh, to say that we'd been picked. So yeah, no, that was that was incredibly special, I suppose, for us. <laughs> the main thing about that was the. Curse Cup that year in Boston fell right bang in the middle of our junior search. Yeah, you got to skip um, that. So we didn't do the junior search. Yeah, that was kind of considered for all of probably two minutes. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was good. It was a, it was a great experience. It was. I'm going to say it was our first. No, it wasn't. We played a few team events, I suppose, in the states at that time. We played Junior Ryder Cup in 2008 in Valhalla. And we played Junior Solheim Cup in Chicago and Rich Harris Farms in 2009. So it was kind of nice. Each summer we kind of had that thing to look. We called it an American trip nearly to look forward to yeah. um, each of those summers. But yeah, really nice. And you brought up missing the junior cert there and stuff like that. But the, that mix of mixing the academic side and the golf side, like you more than made up for that with your, your leaving cert results. Uh, I, I remember reading before that you got 600 points in your leaving and... I think Leona at six fifteen, she just did you by fifteen points. But there was always <laughs> yeah. this rivalry across everything with you girls growing up. It was you really drove each other on through everything. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose from the academic side, with mom and dad both being teachers, they always stressed the importance of education to us. So I suppose even when it came down to doing the leaving cert in fifth and sixth year, we were after coming off the back of two very busy years of golf, and when we decided we were going to give the leaving cert a good go. Um, the golf did take somewhat of a backseat just to prioritise the studies and give our best shot at that but um, no I suppose the thing that we always felt was that um, we kind of had someone like you said whether it was practice or study we kind of someone there with us I suppose golf is a very individual sport and a lot of people find that it gets lonely out in the golf course and um, compared to a team sport it's a lot easier to turn up I think to train and for a team sport whether that be soccer or rugby or football when there's when there's a team there and you kind of feel like you're not doing it alone whereas um, on the golf course I suppose when you're going out on a cold winter's evening to hit balls um, it, it's not so friendly and not so inviting so yeah. I suppose we were lucky in that respect it was a unique situation that we always had someone to practice with 
Um, and I suppose it was just a natural competitive thing. If I, I remember even when we started, when we started in the part three course in the city of Brussels, a big goal was to break 50. And then whoever broke 50, the next goal was to break 45 and 40 and 35 and 30 and so on. So we always kind of had the little milestones um, going between each other. But uh, no, it, it was only ever a good thing. It never got to the point where we ever fell out over it even. Yeah. Um, when we started playing national tournaments, ILG tournaments and international tournaments, I suppose Dad always said to us, we'd always two chances of bringing home a trophy instead of one. So we kind of always looked at it as a positive that way. And and looking at those events, it does seem that you you turn up to a lot of those events as young girls at the time and you would, the benchmark would be your sister. The field was kind of irrelevant. You just, you'd, you'd want to beat your sister. And because the standard both of you were at, that was good enough most weeks. Yeah, I suppose... Um kind of when we were we started playing maybe ILU tournaments, district tournaments maybe when we were twelve, thirteen and I suppose everything was kinda of new and shiny and you kinda of just turned up and you kinda of played as best as you could and you didn't really know how good you were until you had you had done well or had won it. So I suppose the tournaments were nice. Even the match play tournaments that if you had this stroke play qualification and was to end up on the other side of the draw and kind of the half the tournament that we had was to try and make sure that we both ended up in the finals. Um, and it did happen on a number of occasions. It happened, um, probably the two standout ones were it happened in 2008 in the Irish Ladies Coast final in Westport. And then it happened later that summer in the girls final in uh, Mullingar. So it, it did happen a few times and they were always nice. Um, it was probably harder for mom and dad being stuck in the middle of it all. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was a unique thing and it was kind of something special to be part of looking back on it. Yeah. And we, we mentioned the Curtis Cup team there that you were part of. Like, it was a serious US team you come up against with the likes of Jessica Corda and Lexi Thompson and those teams. Um, Lexi turned pro soon after that event, and I know you had plenty of opportunities in between. And I suppose a decade on from from that uh, Curtis Cup, do you have any regrets with not turning pro earlier in your career? No, I don't think so. I think looking back on it from a personal I don't think either of us were ready at 15, 16 years of age. We hadn't completed school. Um, we hadn't seen the world. And we, I suppose we hadn't just that independence and that maturity, I don't think, at that stage. I suppose we were still very sheltered, coming from a very kind of rural background here in Cavan. We hadn't been exposed to kind of what the world had to offer. And I suppose even just that education behind it. So, yeah. um, no, I definitely think doing waiting the way we waited did us no harm it was people do it different ways people have their own journey and um, it's up to them whether they thought it was wrong or right at the at that point in time but um no definitely no no regrets in that front and your journey as you put it there took you to duke university you know some some people like they're eager some young players are eager to fast track their route into the program you chose duke and uh have your full degree to fall back on now and that must be very satisfying knowing that you work so hard on the academic side too and, and, and have achieved that yeah I suppose that was a nice thing we visited well, at the time we visited a lot of different colleges and did a lot of research um, on the college system and I suppose the thing with going to the college in the US you had very mixed reviews maybe coming from Irish people at went you had someone like Darren Clark who went for all of maybe a month and then come back and you had other players that had gone and done very well, like Ray McDowell had done very well. Um, so I suppose 
that was kind of the experience. We made sure we kind of all of the research gathered before we went. Um, we made sure that we visited and made sure that we kind of got to know the coaches. We got to know the team that was there. We got to see what facilities they had to offer. We met with kind of all the academic people to see what sort of structure there that was going to be in place on that front. So I suppose it was just making the an informed decision at that time. Um, and what we felt would kind of be better better to suit a career that was geared towards turning pro at the end of college. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I mean, I, we wouldn't change anyway. I suppose that was the nice thing about going to college in the States. You kind of had that, the structure was nice. You could still, you used to go to college in the morning and then you kind of had the afternoon to practice and play. The team environment was always very competitive. You were always kind of fighting for a spot on the team. You were, fighting that first spot to kind of remain on the team from every tournament here. Nothing was kind of guaranteed. So it kind of, it pushed you on when you were kind of in an environment where, where everyone was competitive. I think at one time, maybe Celine Boutier was world number one and Leona was world number two. And then they switched about um, for a couple of weeks at a time. So it, we were in that sort of environment where everybody was trying to excel. And I think that kind of pushed everybody forward. And what advice, I suppose there's plenty of young aspiring professionals, both male and female in Ireland, looking at the US collegiate route. And what advice would you give to them on looking at those options? I think do as much research as you can. I think talk to as much people, as many people as you can. I suppose there's no place that's going to be, going to suit everybody. Some people will prefer to go further south, go to somewhere where it's nice and warm that you can play all year round. Some people would prefer to go further north where they can have that break in the winter time. Um, the one thing I would advise, don't go to a college that you haven't visited. Um, it's one thing kind of looking up brochures online, even li- talking to coaches on the phone. Obviously, they're going to be very well yeah, um, well versed in kind of all the college language and tell you what they want to hear. But it's very hard to know how you're setting in a place until you can have your boots on the ground and, and know what it feels like to you. So, um Above all else, I, I definitely encourage anyone, if if you're going to go and um, you're entitled to a visit, an official visit, um, go out and see the college, make sure you go on that. And um, yeah, talk to as many people. People will have had different experiences. Just because someone had a good or a bad experience doesn't mean that you'll have the same. So, I mean, yeah, just get, get as much information as you can and then you'll be in the best place to make an informed decision. And, and moving on, when you're graduating from Duke, you were looking at getting into the professional game but yourself and Leona and um, you obviously had a lot of attention from management companies and people looking this way and I know Mark and Niall from Modest chased quite hard to sign you both in a big way with trips to Duke and Cavan to try and woo you into the Modest golf family as such and what was the deciding factor for you to sign for Modest as I'm, I'm sure like I alluded to it was plenty of choice yeah there was plenty of choice but I think I think the nice thing about Modest was the strong Irish ties that they had with Niall um, and the fact that it was kind of a small boutique company. I felt, I think myself and Leona were both attracted to the kind of the personal nature of it. You were always in touch with that was with Mark and Katie and Niall on a continuous basis. You were only ever a phone call away. You never felt that you were going to get lost in the system. Um, some of the bigger companies, they just have a lot of players on their books and it's very hard to give each player that kind of attention that they might need. Um, and I suppose at the end of the day, there was nothing that anyone at Modest promised that they didn't deliver. I think that was probably the most attractive thing. If Mark said he was going to do something for you, um, 
he hundred percent could do it. He wouldn't promise anything that he couldn't deliver. And I think that was refreshing. That kind of honesty, um, kind of from the get go. But uh, no, modest, modest were a great fit for us. They were kind of a newer company starting out at the start of their careers. Um, we were new professionals starting on, on the outset of our careers, and it was just it was a good partnership for for all involved. Oh, and. I suppose you got great backing when you did turn with them as well, uh, both yourself and Leona together. You got great sponsorship, uh, you know, uh, the support of everyone in Ireland behind you and, and really trying to chase your dreams in golf. Have you sat back and tried to put your finger on or work out why your amateur game and the success you had in an amateur didn't quite translate into the pro ranks? Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult question. I don't know if there's one thing in particular I could kind of pinpoint. I don't know, golf is it's an incredibly difficult game. It's a, it's a, unlike most sports, it's kind of very skill-based. It's a game of like five very, very fine margins. I suppose I would say probably my long game, I struggled technically with my long game kind of as I transitioned kind of from the amateur into college and into pro. And it just wasn't something I could fully crack. It just wasn't consistent enough when it came down to it. And I suppose that was the, the one thing I always said to myself. I was always going to be a realist about the whole situation. And I really enjoyed my time playing golf, my time playing golf both competitively and professionally. But I never wanted it to get to a point where it was frustrating me that much that I didn't enjoy it anymore. Um, and I suppose towards the end of my professional career, it was starting to get, I could see it heading in that direction. I, I had tried everything under the sun um, to try and wrestle it, and I'd worked so hard on my short game that I felt like I, that could match up against anyone in the world. But um, a short game alone is not good enough to make it on the tour, I'm afraid. You kind of need to be very, very good and very, very proficient in all areas. So, um, yeah, I think it was just a matter for me personally about being realistic about the whole situation. I knew that I had a lot to give in other areas. Um, and I didn't want kind of tying myself down into a life of professional golf where I felt I was hitting my head against the wall and maybe uh, sacrificing other areas where I could feel I could excel and uh, contribute back to a game that's, that's given me so much down to the years. Yeah, and like looking back in 2019, it must have been the start of 2019, the middle of 2019 must have been an extremely tough time mentally uh, when you, I suppose, look at girls that you'd brushed aside in the amateur ranks with your game and you see people pushing on and progressing from like the LET access tour. And even though you're delighted for Leona, she's kicking on as well too. Was there a specific time that you sensed things were beginning to go against you in terms of turning professional golf into a career and, and you really had to make a decision on it? Yeah, I suppose last year, 2019, I spent a lot of some golf on the LET and a lot of golf on the LET access and I I suppose I just I felt that it was kind of the career had sort of plateaued a bit and there was no real progress being made and I suppose again being realistic about the whole situation I couldn't see myself doing that for the next four, five, six, ten years and anything that I've done I've given 110% but it does come a point where you kind of want to see some sort of fruits of your labour um, and I just I felt like I wasn't getting that and I I be, I was the first to admit and first to sit down and say you know what I think we need to have a, a real hard look at this and I suppose it was nice that the last professional tournament that I did play was the World Invitational in Galgorm 
Yeah. It was probably the best tournament I'd played all year. And I think that was one of the reasons was that I had made that decision at that time that that would be my last event. And I think I was happy with that decision. Um, so it just kind of gave me the freedom to kind of to play the game that I'd loved and kind of give it my my best and give it my all um, that week. I think I think a lot of people can sometimes underestimate how hard it is to kind of play play golf. Golf is difficult enough at the best of times without kind of having a paycheck um, on the line. So um, yeah, it's, it's not it's definitely not an easy career. Um, but yeah, it's, it is rewarding and fulfilling at the same time. I remember you said that actually after you'd made the decision I, I cut up with you and did a brief interview and I remember one thing that stuck with me that you said golf is an incredibly difficult game one day you're on top of the world and the next day you're at the bottom looking up at it it was quite a moving statement for a young woman like yourself to make at, to, to come to the realisation of that like how tough mentally was that to process? Yeah I suppose it was very different I suppose for a number of years, the kind of the golf, the world of golf, and everything, we kind of been going nonstop. It kind of been ten years of kind of nonstop, no break. Um, it had just kind of been one tournament that kind of one season even had kind of run into the next season. So I suppose there was no time to stop and kind of process it. Um, it's just kind of when things probably do start to take kind of maybe a decline, performance decline that you kind of realize how hard it is and you kind of I suppose to some degree you've kind of taken the last number of years for granted kind of when you're playing well and everything is going for you everything seems easy it, it doesn't seem like it's, it's very hard to miss a fairway or miss a green or under power rank kind of come uh, second nature but I think it's it's kind of when the, the tables start to turn a little and you kind of see the, the other side to the game um, you can see kind of the teeth that it bears but yeah I, I, I mean I was Never under any illusion that golf was a hard game. Um, again, a lot of people will describe their their relationship with sport as love hate. Um, you love it one minute, you hate it the next, and then most of the time it's somewhere in between. So, uh, yeah, I would say it's definitely golf became a huge part of my identity. As I suppose I talked to someone one time and they described it as you kind of had to distinguish yourself as someone who played golf and not just as a golfer. Um, and I suppose that, that that description I used kind of on top of the world and then at the bottom looking up on it kind of I would say kind of for me captured my experience of golf I was starting my career at the bottom I got to the top um, certainly in the amateur game and then uh, was, oh, the last number of years I started started to climb down and felt like I was more closer to the bottom than the top um, by, the, by the time I ended but at the same time, I never, I never regret my journey. I wouldn't change it for the world. And some of the life experience that I have had at 25, someone will never have in their lifetime. So, um, for all those experiences and for everything along the journey, I'll be forever grateful. It's great that you've come to that realization so early in your in your life. I suppose as 25, like you're saying, because a lot of people chase that and and. I suppose they get stuck in a rut of trying to change things, trying to do, but you've made the decision quite quick to cut it off. And what, I suppose, what was the lowest point that you felt as a professional to, of, of your career? Um, I suppose professionally, I suppose it was just kind of, I suppose on the tour, probably it's, it's quite a lonely life out in the tour. I, think. I mean, you're going from city to city and it's not always that glamorous. Um, I suppose last summer, I remember, we had a couple of runs. I was kind of in Europe. I was traveling by myself. I was kind of 
to her renting a car and driving driving to a small little town, especially with the early theatres. They were kind of remote towns, and I just it, it felt very isolating, and you kind of felt a little bit on your own. So, I mean, from that respect, when things aren't going well, everything tends to seem worse, and when things are going well, they seem to seem an awful lot better. And um, but yeah, the the main idea between for me to decide to step aside is I always told myself that I would never let it get to a point where I'd resent a, resent the game of golf. I mean, golf had been so good to me over the last year, number of years, and I have so many great members, like you said, like Curtis Cobb, like Junior Soha, and all the different international terms. I have so many great memories, and I wouldn't ever have wanted it to get to a point where the if whether that be professional times would tarnish the other memories that I've had, and ultimately get to a point where I never wanted to see a golf club again. I never I, I absolutely never wanted to get to that point and I was I was more than happy to kinda of leave the game on my own terms, knowing that I'd given it my all, I got plenty out of it and then it was time to kinda of give back yep. to the people and to the game that had given me um an incredible fifteen years or so. And I suppose only you can really answer this, honestly, is both yourself and Leona had the you know, mostly the same coaches throughout your careers, training plans, facilities, routines, college, you shared everything to help you along. So looking back now, at what point do you feel that the paths that both you and Leona are on went in different directions? Or can you put your finger at all on the point that you feel that's the stage where Leona really kicked on? Um, I think it was college. I think Leona really excelled in college. Um, she hit the ground running right from kind of the get-go. Uh, I suppose if you kind of break it down to the most basic point, I think she had a, a swing pattern that was more repeatable than mine. She was more consistent. Um, I suppose when it, when we got to college, I kind of could sense that and I through conversations with different people, I tried to make my movement pattern into something that would be more consistent. But as anybody who's familiar with the game of golf, when you start to kind of break something apart, yeah. there's no definite time frame on that and no guarantee that you'll be able to put it back together the same way you found it. So um, I would say Leona did very little of that. Uh, Leona's kind of uh, someone that kind of has a very clear-cut idea in her head of what she knows her swing looks like. And she has, it might not be completely a textbook swing, but it's something that she repeats 99% out of 100 times and it's something that served her very well so um, I'd say probably that I suppose I was more willing to change I was more willing to, to try and get that extra little bit um, and it, it just it, the, the risk didn't pay off I suppose more than anything else so it was a gamble it was either going to go and get better or it was going to get worse and unfortunately it kind of went the latter and if if you could go back to any particular point and change one thing, one path that you took, that you feel was a bit of a mistake, what would that be? Jeez, um, <laughs> one particular point. Um, I honestly, I honestly don't know. Um, I suppose I I would agree that the, the I probably wasn't consistent enough going into college. At the same time, I do recognise that. I did have to make some change. Would I have made a drastic change? Maybe not. I might have tried to ease little bits in here and there. I suppose ideally it would have been nice to have um, maybe a little bit of time in between 
doing the leaving cert and going to college, but then at the same time you were kind of putting yourself back here and that that opportunity could have slipped away to go to college. So, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's something that's very difficult difficult to kind of put your finger on. Um, but yeah, may, maybe kind of not as drastic change, but at the same time, a change was necessary. So um, it's, it's kind of hard to quantify that, I suppose. And the benefits, I suppose, we talked about the choice earlier on of picking Modest as a management team when you're turning pro, the opportunities that they get, and the benefits of choosing a team like Modest actually proved to be a great one for you with, I suppose, most management companies, it's out the door, really, if results aren't being achieved. And they've really helped you along with your career progression outside of professional golf as well. And how has that been? That transition from no, the, the fairways to the to the office, yeah, I suppose. Absolutely. I suppose Modest were very good to me and especially in the beginning with getting invites and throughout my career getting invites to play in different tournaments. Um I suppose they were very supportive of Mark and all the team were very supportive even when the results weren't going the way that I would have liked and I'm sure they weren't going the way they would have liked either. But so they always stuck by me and supported me through everything and the, all of the team were never more than a phone call away on uh, multiple occasions so from that respect I literally couldn't have asked for anything more and then I suppose I sat down with Mark and kind of Gal Gorm and I talked talked to him what I was thinking and we kind of he kind of said leave it with me I'll have a think and I'll come back to you and I suppose a couple of weeks later he came back with, back to me with the proposal that I'd come come and work with them and um, kind of help them along with their kind of ladies department and obviously at that time I'd, I'd take his hand off for kind of any sort of offer like that <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, no, they were a great company to be involved with from the get-go and kind of our relationship um, has kind of changed, I suppose, over the last two years. It's kind of moved from like client to employee, if you want to put it yeah. that way. Um, but it's still it's still the same company that I trusted it back in 2018 when I turned pro. Um, and it's still the same company that I'm, I'm proud and to work for now. And you've so much experience, like as like you say, you're 25 years of age, working within the golf industry for the last 15 years from such a young age. Uh, what are you looking forward to bringing to the table most in that in the next step of trying to grow the game? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at it purely from a growth perspective, I think ladies' golf is in the strongest position that it's ever been. I think we've more ladies playing now than we ever have. The LPGA Tour is as strong as it's ever been um, and for as diverse as it's ever been. So I think um, from my perspective and I suppose from Modest's perspective, um, there's a great opportunity out there to go to get the ladies' game even even further and especially at here home in Ireland. Um, I'd love to see more girls out playing golf. So when me and Leona started, there was only the two of us that played um, and that was the kind of so it was a nice thing for us, but at the same time, we would have loved more friends to go out and play with um, on the golf course, whether that be after school or at the weekends or during the summer. So I'd love for to, to kind of get to a position where if young girls are interested in playing golf, that they have friends to play with out um, on the golf course, and whether that be going to the putting green or going to a pitch and push or little power three courses or literally anything yeah. to get involved. I know I've met so many people down through the years that have, Maybe they're 40, 50 years of age and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm only playing golf now a couple of years. I wish I would have got the opportunity to play when I was a kid or when I was a teenager. I started one summer, but I never really stuck with it. I think in the next 
10 to 15 years, if there's a lot more people, when they do get to 30 and 40, you'd be like, you know what, I started as a child, as a teenager, and I stuck with it, and I'm so glad that I did. Um, I think that would be a real um, strong reflection of kind of the work that everybody's trying to put in put in right now. And um, yeah, I mean, golf is a game for life, I suppose. It's one of the few sports that you can say that um, you could have literally a family with a five-year-old to kind of a grandparent that might be 80, 85, and you can have a real spread of everybody playing and everyone enjoying and kind of playing to their own ability, which is nice. It's it's always struck me as a very important part of the modest golf makeup, but I suppose right from the top, uh, the influence of someone like Niall, Niall Horan has on the development of the women's game and the ladies' game and the reach that he has, how important is that to to be involved and, and to help that growth? Yeah, I mean, Niall has been incredible. I know he's a, he's a massive golf fan himself and any time yeah. he can to get out and play golf, he does. But he's been an incredible advocate, um, especially for the women's game. I know there's a lot of young girls that look up to Niall um, and when they see him kind of endorsing a sport like golf and especially being an ambassador for women's golf, especially, I think it encourages them to take up the game. Um, and that's incredible to see. I know he's done great work in the States with the drive chip and putt there at Augusta. Um, he's been an incredible ambassador to make sure we can have equality here with our own event, um, the World Golf Invitational. So, I mean, all that he's doing is incredibly positive. Um, I know that he is committed to continuing kind of that progression over the over the next few years. And um, hopefully, you never know, in five, ten years' time, when you interview someone and ask them why, why they want to go to college in America or why they want to turn pro, it might be because Nine Horan um, encouraged me all those years ago. Yeah, and uh, Mark as well, we can't forget Mark, I suppose. Um, he he said uh, when I was talking to him that you're going to get involved really initially in the growing of the female side of the playing stable at Modest. And has that work started already? And, and if so, how has that started or how will that roll out? Yeah, I suppose the, the main thing for us is a kind of establishing a presence on tour at the LPGA Tour. It's kind of, it's nice this year to have Leona kind of in her rookie year and to have someone supporting their out there um, at a lot of the tournaments. Um, obviously, this year hasn't kind of gone exactly according to plan. Um, but, no, I think that's the thing with, with the guys that have done well. Um, Christian has done very well on the European Tour. Guido won twice last year on the tour. Um, and Connor won a couple of times in the chance show last year to get back up on the European Tour and obviously Terrell with his first win to Bay Hill um, just a couple of weeks ago. So the the presence of Modest is definitely well established on the men's side. Um, it's now, I think, a, a focus to kind of get ourselves established on the women's side. Um, obviously, Leona's kind of leading that charge and um, we're kind of looking for similar sort of players that are, I suppose, excited and uh, about starting their career or maybe um, already in their career and kind of share the same values that we do um, and kind of carry that forward in their career. And the, the 20 by 20 closing the gender gap and, and equality in sport campaign that's been going on, you you yourself personally have a, a real big opportunity to influence that from the position that you're in there and that must be exciting looking forward as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think the 20 by 20 initiative has been great. Um, I know I've seen that firsthand with even Leona being involved as the KPMG ambassador, how many more young girls are trying to get involved in sport. And it's just that kind of visibility in sport. I suppose growing up, the 
the people we looked to were, were someone like Katie Taylor and Tanya O'Sullivan that we've seen kind of doing well in Olympic Games. Um, but when it came to golf, there probably wasn't someone to look up at. Um, you were kind of looking more towards the male stars like Patrick Carrington and Paul McGinley. So um, it'd be great when for young girls to have someone in the media that they can see kind of whether that be in the papers or in magazines or on telly um, and say, you know what, I can be like her. She's, she's from down the road or she came from a similar sort of background than I came from and I can do exactly what um, she's doing right now. And I think that's incredibly empowering, especially for young children. Um, to see what, what the path they can lead to and see that it's not impossible, that nothing's impossible if they kind of set their mind to it. And I suppose we'll finish it up on this as uh, just remarking back to a couple of things you said earlier on that you remarked that you never really wanted to get to a point where you resented the game. You're obviously still in love with the game of golf massively. You're still a very competitive young woman. Um, Have you applied for your amateur status back or will we see you compete again at a national level? Um. I'll never say never. Uh, as of right now, I still have my first. <laughs> it's a very status. political answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll never say never. Um, yeah, not right now. I suppose my focus right now is working for Modest and making sure we kind of uh, establish a pathway for for growing the game on the ladies' side. But uh, no, I I still love love playing my golf and I'll play as many rounds of golf as I can. I'm still waiting for nine. Give me that invite to go play Augusta with him and Mark. So uh, we'll hold out on that for the next while. But. Uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, like I said, never say never, but a uh, slightly different focus for the next next few months. No problem. Lisa Maguire, it's been a pleasure having you on today and thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Peter. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed that chat with Lisa. Hope you did too. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to the channel to stay up to date with our latest podcast releases. And for all your daily golf news, visit irishgolfer.ie. Thanks for tuning in. Until next week, it's bye for now.